Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everybody to the Baseball America podcast and uh, everybody viewing on Facebook Live, our podcast and Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism, the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Looking for that perfect Father's Day gift or maybe something special for the recent graduate? Visit Baseballism.com, enter the code BA2017, and you'll receive free shipping on your next order. That's Baseballism.com. The promo code is BA2017, and you'll get free shipping on your next order. And uh, I'm John Manuel, along with J.J. Cooper on my right, and uh, on my left is my good ear, plus uh, Hudson Belinsky. <laughs> um, <laughs> had to make a tribe reference just to loosen up a little bit. We're, it's draft time, and there's just so much information and so many things to do in so little time um, to try to cram it all in. Uh, we want to try to cram some of it into this Facebook Live. Obviously, you can send us questions here at Facebook. You can tweet at us. We'll take the questions either way. But what we're going to do, guys, is kind of mock out how we would do the first five picks in the draft, and if we have time, we'll go 10, and if we have time, we'll go 15 if we're all in agreement. I have a feeling we're not going to be in agreement, A, no. and B, I have a feeling that uh, we're going to discuss some of those picks a little bit longer, so we'll see how that goes. We, we promise you five. We're not promising we'll go beyond yeah, that we definitely. We, it may we, take 30 minutes to we, do five. We know we can go five, and uh, with this first overall pick, I mean, we also want to just know that we don't have as much information as the clubs. If you want to use the information asymmetry, this is a good way to use it. We don't sit down and interview every player uh, with unfettered access like the teams do. We don't have questionnaires that the players have done. We don't have makeup evaluations. We don't have as many evaluators, and we're not evaluators. But we do have an informed opinion, and this is meant to inform and entertain. And uh, just with, as long as those caveats are there. Uh, we want to go forward. And, and the other caveat is, is this is how we would pick it. We're right. not saying this is not – we do mock drafts. You'll see mock drafts at BaseballAmerica.com. But when we're talking about here, this is if I had the first pick in the draft, not how I think that the exactly. Twins are going to pick. So I'm going to start with you, Hudson, because you are our national writer for the draft. And you're picking 1-1 with the Minnesota Twins. I think I know what direction you'd go in. What direction would you go in? Where would you start and, uh, and where would you finish? Uh, so this is the the whole the whole draft is really ceiling versus floor, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's which whatever your philosophy is is really is going to be what your pick is. And so I think the best combination of ceiling and floor is Kyle Wright, the the right hander at, at the ace of the Vanderbilt staff, the the Saturday starter yeah. at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, just when you look at what he's done over really the last six weeks. The growth of his command, especially with his his ability to locate his breaking ball to both sides of the plate, uh, he's got elite fastball command to go along with velocity and life on that pitch. He's got a plus changeup. He's got makeup. He's overcome a lot this year, and he he's he's gone through some early season struggles. He's faced adversity. He's gotten over it. So to me, he's the best combination of ceiling and floor because he does have three years of track record of, of improvement at Vanderbilt. He's, uh, been, he's been under that microscope for all three years. You go to my, you go to Vanderbilt and you're a key player. He was the closer basically on their 2015 national runner-up team. So he's been under that microscope for all this time. And he came out of Team USA last summer, the collegiate national team, with a target. Like, you know, some people like Fado, some people like Bukowskis, a lot of people like Wright. He was writing that kind of mix along with Brendan McKay of the top pitchers. I think he was the one who was seen as, at this time, summer of 2016, his stuff was behind Fado and Bukowskis. There was a cleaner arm and a little bit more in the tank for him 
and those other two guys. That was kind of the consensus read I got. It took them a couple, basically a month plus to kind of get going this year, Hudson. I know you've we've really been bearing down on him lately. Yeah. What, what has he improved the most in this six-week so, hot streak? So, so I guess the 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 thing with Kyle Wright is that he got he has such a great body. That's that's when you first look at this guy as a freshman, and the first time I ever saw him, he, it was against South Carolina as a freshman. We're watching guys like. Uh, Who's the lefty? The Phil something that the, the Phil Pfeiffer. Phil Pfeiffer comes yeah. in pumping gas, and then uh, Sheffield comes in pumping right. gas, and then uh, you know they had Carson Fulmer who went, Walker Bueller who went, and then right. oh, who's this? Who's this tall, skinny, projectable righty who's who's low nineties with a really good delivery? It's Kyle Wright, right? And and so that that delivery and the body, it's just so moldable. And, and then you look at how much stronger he's gotten. He gets stronger every single year. Now this guy's deadlifting like 700 pounds, which is insane. But <laughs> right. uh, but also, and apparently it's three by eight, which is it's not just a one time. We could go on on Kyle Wright's <laughs> weight, weight room work. Plus, but, plus body. But the thing is, he's gotten so strong. And the, the beginning of this season, he had to adjust to the new strength. And so he was doing some things that he hadn't been doing in his delivery. And he came out blowing like 98, 97 first weekend of the year and didn't know how to pitch at that velocity, basically. And, and, and the consistency of his delivery was not there for him to land the breaking ball like it has been the past six weeks, really. This guy's like every single time out, every single at-bat, I believe he's going to get the hitter out. And I'm surprised when he doesn't. So that I don't think you can say of, of really anybody else in this class. And, and you have the three re- years of track record of, of import, improvement. I, I think to, to me, he's the safer bet. I, mean, I don't know if he has quite the ceiling that Hunter Green has. And that's that's the question. Is, is Are you going floor, ceiling? I'm going with the guy who's got the best combination of both. Kyle Wright will be my pick at 1-1. JJ, where would you go? I, I got to agree on that. It's going to make it a little easier because – You've kind of summed it up, but we do know college pitchers, if they're legit, like if they're the guy, and I and Kyle Wright's not in the Steven Strasburg type category, David Price type type category, even where you say he's the clear guy, where you know he comes into the year, he's the one one, he goes through the year, he's the one one, and you end the year and he's the one one. Those are even I think safer bets, but a guy with his kind of stuff, with his kind of track record. Very much what you said, Hunter Green's ceiling might be a little higher, but the track record of the really hard-throwing high school arm at the top of the draft is much worse than the track record of the three-year you know, college guy with similar stuff. It may not be as good, see, but similar. See, the track record is a big part of it, and, and it can't be ignored. But to me, the, the, th- the reasons why I, I see Hunter Green as a little bit more risky is, is because – He's going to have to develop a more consistent breaking ball. Mm-hmm. He's you're probably looking at him as a guy who's going to maybe add a cutter or a two seamer or really focus on the development mm-hmm. of his changeup. So there's there's so there's much ceiling. You can dream on him all you want. Mm-hmm. This guy might throw 104 someday. Like you can really dream on him, but you have to dream on him. It's not it's not there right now. And, and there's more to do. There's more to do. He's younger. There's there's. There's a lot that can happen. There's a wide range of possibilities in this guy's future. And to me, that's what makes him a little risky, and, and that's what puts Kyle right over the top. He's, there's no question he has more risk. He, I think he, there's also no question he has more ceiling. That's extremely tempting. I would also pick right as well. 
Um, one other caveat I never threw out there. We don't have to negotiate with agents and we don't have to put any dollar signs yeah. on any muscles. So we aren't putting any, um, or any flab as the case may be, we're not putting <laughs> any, uh, we're not, we don't have to sign any of these players. It's a lot easier for us. But that passing on Hunter Green, I'll just say, could be the kind of thing where you look back and just, you know, face palm as an organization well, you see, or as a GM. That, I'm just, you know. You see Kevin Durant right now. Where's Greg Oden in the, in the NBA right now? Like yeah, Kyle Wright has a better body than Greg Oden. And he doesn't have the old man face. So, but, <laughs> that, but yes. This is true. Sam Bowie and Michael Jordan. Yes. You know, not that not to, to Kyle Wright's Sam Bowie, but that, that's sort of the right. what you're, you're looking at is like, do you. Can you really pass up on so, Hunter Green? What you're hoping is that Kyle Wright is, is Akeem Elijahwan, not Sam Bowie. Would you like, hey, yeah, we're okay with Akeem. <laughs> yeah. so. so that's I know where you. I think I know where you're going. But John, since you went last last time, how about you go first this time? Who do you go to? See, I'm gonna just blow y'all's minds because I think Royce Lewis is where I would go, and I don't think Cincinnati's. I was gonna do that too. <laughs> Uh, I'm not just saying that because Brett K has joined the uh, Facebook Live and is uh, <laughs> the, and uh, you know, knows Royce Lewis very well. Um, for me, the reason you go Royce Lewis is I think he win championships with championship tools. Uh, he has championship tools. He's in the middle of the diamond. Uh, he the possibilities for him are also endless. I want a position player. If I'm the Cincinnati Reds, I want a position player. If he's a shortstop, fantastic. If he's a center fielder, I'm still all in. Uh, I want the hitter with the best chance to be an impact position player if I'm picking two. Uh, so that's where I'd go, Royce Lewis. I understand his representation could be an obstacle for the Reds. I understand the Reds are said to be focused in like a laser on Wright, McKay, and <laughs> Hunter Green. I don't think they're in on Lewis. But for me, to quote old uh, BA guy Josh Boyd, for me, I'm going Royce Lewis with uh, the second overall pick. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's totally defensible, and I'm not going to do it just because you did it. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the other thing that I think is so, so important to understand about Royce Lewis is how good this guy's makeup is. Championship makeup. This guy's like Derek Jeter. Like it, it's, it's Carlos Correa. It's, it's this impact face of your franchise going to represent you well, going to be a leader for his teammates not going to make excuses, just going to go in and do his work, and he's going to get the most out of his tools. And by the way, his tools are pretty darn good. So There's a lot of sevens. <laughs> you, you can dream on him all you want because you have that, that makeup. He comes from a good family. He's got a good upbringing. He wants to be the best player on the planet. You know, but, but I'm, I'm not going to take him. But I'm not going to take him. I'll take Hunter Green. I think we've talked a little bit about Hunter so far. I think that the sky is the limit on this guy. And, and – we talked about passing him on, on him already, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take Hunter Green and I'll be just fine with that. He's a ceiling as the roof kind of guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with Royce Lewis as well. You summed it up pretty well, Hunter. If I take, if I, I end up with Hunter Green here, I probably get the high. I do get the highest ceiling in the draft, but position player who, again, I look at it when you look back on it. I'm Hudson. And I have this debate. I'm. I am a draft demographics guy in some way. Mm-hmm. Players are unique, but at the same time. We do learn things, and teams do. Like That's why you see the Cubs take college bats every right. year, all that. But I do look at it and say, when I talk about the guy who could be the best position player, and I, when I compare him to the college position players, it's the up-the-middle guy. Um, I'm, I'm going that way. And I presume you're taking Green as a pitcher. Just want to make sure. Yes, I'm, okay. I'm taking Green as a pitcher. The, the, to respond to your demographics uh, 
argument. I, th- I think a demographic-based approach to ranking prospects makes more sense uh, in terms of actually picking prospects. If you had a whole player development system mm. that was really bad at developing hitters, you might think differently about who you were picking too. That's true, right? Absolutely. Right. So, so from a my from, system, from, my from, my intent, my my system has the best best of the But from when we're we're talking, we're we're sitting here ranking players. Who right. would you take? Regardless of who's developing these players, I think that it makes total sense to incorporate more of the demographic history into your evaluation. All right, JJ, uh, go get the pump out of your briefcase, uh, pump up your basketball. Do your best, AJ Preller impersonation. Announce this pick in Spanish. Who are you taking third for the Padres? How do you say Hunter Green in Spanish? So, which <laughs> yeah. again, Hunter Green, Senor Verde. I think if I think if you're the Padres and Hunter Green's in the ends up at three, you're uh, you're you're thrilled. And Hunter Green, I don't need to spell out more. I mean, we are talking about a guy. It's not just yes, he throws as hard as any high school pitcher we've seen. He throws, I would say that he's comparable to Riley Pint last year, who yeah, threw very really, really hard. The difference is, though, is, is I do think Hunter, Hunter Green, the ease with which he does it, the – again, we, like you said, I'm taking him as a pitcher Pine, also. Pine's probably twitchier. Green does it easier. But the thing that Green has also that we've both – we've all talked to guys about that's, that stands out also is, is again, he's probably going to be a pitcher long term. That said, it could be – if he stayed at shortstop, which he's probably not going to do, that could be the best shortstop arm that we've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's... Like you know, Sean Dunstan, Sean Dunstan but easier. And, yeah. and the, other, the other thing to mention about Green is is how young he is, even for the class. He doesn't turn 18 until August. Uh, you're, the the player I like to bring up with him, because he's he's 17-year-old draft, he's a, a taller guy, he's got a rocket arm. You're, you're, it sounds a little bit like Carlos Correa. Yeah, no question. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, when you look at the power, especially that Green brings to the table, there, there were questions about the foot speed. Would they stay at shortstop? That's a question with Green. That was a question at the time with Correa. And, it, and it, it's that that graceful af- actions at shortstop versus the like mega twitchy all over the place Lindor or Baez or these the, kind of these guys Addison who are Russell. young but twitchy and don't have the body control, whereas. Hunter Green's got elite body control, like some of the best body control I've ever seen at shortstop, period. We just had this debate when we were going over best tools. It's like for best athlete. Are we looking for baseball oh. athleticism or are we looking for twitchy athleticism? There's, they're similar, but they're two different ways of getting the athlete. And so I'm picking Green as well uh, for San Diego. Who are you picking here? You have um, you you've already picked. I I put myself for Green. So, I meant you, you, green. so you have, you've already had Green's already off the board here. So so I mean. I'm not going to take Royce Lewis here. I'm going to wait until later because he'll still be available when I, if I'm making all the picks, right? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'm going to get him later. But I'm going to take Mackenzie Gore right now here, the left-hander from Whiteville, North Carolina. Uh, I, do, I, do, I do want to point out that Whiteville, North Carolina is a small town and that it produced back-to-back first-round picks in the mid-1980s. And that's just crazy. Tommy Green and uh, what was the outfielder's name? Tim Lemon, I think, who got to the big leagues as well. I mean, it's That's insane. it's just nuts that this town here a generation later will produce another first round pick, and his high school teammate, the shortstop, as a freshman, uh, I don't Jake know. Jake Harwood. Jake yeah. Harwood is. I don't know if he's going to be a first rounder in three years. I'm I'm not going to project that far out. I don't I don't do fourteen year fifteen year olds yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jake Harwood is really interesting. Recently Southern committed coach. to Clemson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, good good ball player. Pretty good talent down there. That's my point. Pretty good talent. Something in the water in Whiteville because this guy's uh he's been drinking a lot of the water cuz he's uh he's up to 96. He's got two plus breaking pitches. He's got a plus change up. He's got a ton of command. He's a freak athlete. He's also hitting home runs. He's a plus runner. 
I mean, everything you could <laughs> right, want. Right. Like, he, just if we have all the boxes here, uh, check, 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 check. Um, you know, he's he's a, a little bit undersized, but he's actually six foot two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's a very functional body and athlete. I think that the sky's the limit with him. You could have a guy with four four plus pitches who's going to throw a ton of strikes and compete his tail off um, and do everything he can to win so that's uh, a good very exciting one that's a good pick there another teams that have uh gore over green on their high school pitching board let's take a few questions we're at a good stopping point for making three straight picks uh mike duggan says is seth beer in this year's draft if so what is the ceiling and the floor for him uh no mike he's not eligible he's the sophomore the ceiling to me he's like a youthful big poppy i'm not saying he's gonna be that kind of that good but it's, it's all bad. bat, no defense, yeah, that's what he is. But you'd rather that the dude did that, you know, at age 30 than at age 20. Um, yeah. So Seth Beer is going to be very divisive next year. Uh, I would not tank for Beer like I see people talk about on Twitter. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Um, he, I, I'm, I'm not I, certain he's going to go 1-1 next year. Oh, absolutely. Coach, no. I, right now I'd take Nick Madrigal over him, and Nick Madrigal's half the size – but has special hands. It could be a shortstop. I mean, I'll take I'll take Bryce Terang. Yeah, say, I'll take Terang from uh, Southern California. Watch sure. out for for this summer for a lot of coverage on him. Yeah, yeah. But uh, question: Who, with, Bryce Terang? You kind of wonder how high Bryce Terang would go if he'd been in this draft because he's gonna be old for next year's class. I think he might be nineteen by next year's draft. If he had reclassified, Bryce Terang would be right in the thick of this discussion we're having right now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Bryce Terang was like, "I'm gonna let them have theirs. I'm gonna have mine." He because. I think age-wise, probably should have reclassified because you don't ever hear the dings on him. Next year, that exactly. age for Bryce Terang will we, we come haven't, up we over haven't, and over. We haven't even really like, – right. Madrigal's got his licks. Beer right. has his licks. Right. Kumar Rocker, the Georgia mm-hmm. right-hander, he's mm-hmm. going he, to – he's really, really good, and he's going to have his licks. It's – it's all beautiful, great next class right, until you right. actually get there, and then the scouts are like, "This class is terrible." That's right. There's exactly. no college bats. What are we doing? So it, it's exactly. It, By the way, the can the one thing is is that they're saying that next year when you have Seth Beer in the class, it's like, um, mm. no, this guy is a college bat. Beer. Yeah. Well, you know, then the thing is going to be, well, after Beer, there's no bats, <laughs> or you know, but Baker. <laughs> I hope Luca. It is a good. Me. It is a really good class, though. But but yeah, I mean, the thing. Well, right. Thing, we haven't with, seen the warts of it yet. With yes. with Beer, we haven't found out if it's going to be all beer and no foam or all foam and no beer <laughs> it could be either one of those uh joel Lo- lob asks jordan adele that's the only question um if we went how, how deep would we have to go in this class hudson i'll just put the question to you you can have the next one jj but where would you uh where if you're just mocking out your own you make all the picks how high would joe Dell be on this draft where would he, he go he'd be in my top 10 and um I, we talked about it with with royce lewis with the makeup and um to me that's a huge part of the packages you're getting with jordan Dell. i think you're getting a face of your franchise type of human being mm-hmm. uh you're getting a kid who's a really really hard worker and a dynamic athlete and, and i think you you look at the adjustments that he's made over the course of this year Sure, you're still going to have questions on his pure hitting ability, right. and right now he's he's facing poor competition. But if these adjustments are real, or if if they're even I mean, close to real, and he goes out, say he goes out in the summer and, homers and hits spring, twenty four homers, ten strikeouts. If he hits two seventy in the Appy League with with ten bombs this sprint this summer, like then we might be talking about a potential top 10 overall prospect at some point in his his minor league career so we're talking about guys who are like that right now we're looking at 
Meadows, Frazier. We're looking at these like yeah. these elite talents, these very valuable prospects, and I think that this guy's he's got risk. There's no question about it. I mean, is, he could he's be. Got ceiling. I'm not saying he's this guy because he's not this guy. I mean, he he could be Bubba Starling too, couldn't he? I mean, he could be the he guy be. whose feel for hit is in question. And six years later, you're like celebrating when he has a three hit day in AAA. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that that is the risk. I mean, you are talking about that kind of. It's not easy. That kind of athleticism. Hey, the reality of it is, is when you talk about it, projecting the hit tool for a high school hitter is probably the toughest job. That's why a lot of guys get to college. We talk about we want college bats. The reason that teams like college bats is is that. If a guy has three years of collegiate track record plus the Cape plus Team USA, you're getting close to a thousand plate appearances. You you then have this feel because that's almost not all, but that's a lot of it against upper level competition. You're seeing Jordan Adele. The same scouts are seeing him who saw him last year during the summer struggle at times, pretty significantly. Get better, but struggle at times. Uh, that's the thing, and and if you look at some of. I'm not going to get too into this point, but if you look at some of the other publications who show up for two or three days at a time and, and don't really watch the whole showcase circuit, and they went in and they saw Jordan Adele on a good day, they've got him top of their boards, right? Because if you see this guy on the right day, the flash is there. You're talking about at least plus bat speed, probably 70. You're talking about at least plus raw power, probably 70. You're talking about plus speed. You're talking about a plus plus arm. You're talking about a great body. Mm-hmm. Like It all fits. It looks like on the right day, you might go there and be like, oh, who are we even talking about at 1-1? This is the guy. But so, the, the flip is that you saw him over the week of the TOS, and you would go, this guy's not a – you wouldn't have him as a first-round pick at that point. And the thing is you're evaluating him at Bauer High School in Louisville against – Maybe maybe he sees how many pitchers are though over eighty all not year. Not, often, and not mean, many. So. That, the, that reminds me, they're very two seventy. Two seventy. The Appy League would be really. But, but that, that reminds me of Buxton. When Buxton, I talked to a scout for the Twins about Buxton after they saw him. You know, they took him that year, and I said, "This spring, what's the best pitcher you saw him face?" And he said, "I saw him a lot of times. Best pitcher might be able to pitch at a junior college. That was the." How, how, tough the is the eva- how tough is the evaluation when you're seeing Goodell? And, 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 and the thing not- is, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't completely diminish his summer because his summer he did show there were days in the summer where you're like these adjustments are real. He's he's really driving the ball. He's seeing the ball. He's he, he just crushed a double down the line against Alex Scherf, who's throwing 97. So like he has faced good arms. He's got some history of doing it. I, I went back and counted a few few months back how many at-bats I've seen this guy. It's like 80-something over the course of his amateur career. And it's it's not a high average, but there is a high hard contact rate mm-hmm. there. So there's there's something there. And, even if, and, and I think that in this major league game where strikeouts are at an all-time high and power is at an uber premium, mm-hmm. this guy has value even if you don't get him to a 50-bat. If you get him to a 40 right. bat, if this guy's a 240 hitter and he hits 40 home runs and steals 30 bases and plays center field, that's a hell of a player. But the other thing is, is I'm more comfortable with his bat than we've seen first-round picks in recent years. We talk about out, high school outfielders with the questions of how well the hit tool being the question. Well, like Austin Beck, you have so much more wood bat history with Joe Adele. You've seen him. That's one of the questions on Twitter. I mean, on Facebook, Ben Fullenkamp. You have more certainty one way or the other with Joe Adele than you've had with Austin Beck. Uh, those two guys are really interesting. I think that we've had Beck ahead of Adele for a lot of this spring. Adele started out ahead. 
Beck kind of zoomed ahead. I think now the consensus seems to be Adele over Beck again, which yeah. I think will probably yeah. be reflected in our final BA 500. Let's, let's keep moving on. Uh, let's pick for Tampa Bay. Uh, we have a lot of more questions. We'll try mm-hmm. to wrap up with those. But let's pick for Tampa Bay, guys. Uh, Hudson, it's your turn to go first again, and your board has Wright, Green, and Gore gone, which uh, I don't know if that's a bad case scenario for Tampa, but you yeah. got Brendan McKay staring you right there in the grill with his one Royce, big eyebrow. And Royce Lewis. And Royce Lewis. Yeah, oh, so I, so I didn't take Royce because I was no. going to take him later. Um, so so right here, I'll then take... you're going to block yourself. I'll take, I'll take Brendan McKay here, okay. and, and I'm going okay. to take him as a hitter. That's the next um, question, oh. yes. So, which that answers the question we have here. And, and so I think it's it's different based on who you talk to, who's uh, of those those decision makers who are picking up high, have very different opinions on on whether he's a hitter or a pitcher. And I think that when you're talking about him as a hitter, I think he's a pure bat. I think he's got one of the best swings in the country. I, I think there's there's significant power there, especially I think if, if he makes that a focus, he's got an easy swing. He he can really drive the ball to the opposite field. He can turn on it if you make a mistake. He's got three years of track record of performing. He's one of the better hitters on Team USA. There's just there's. I think that as a hitter, I really do like him. As a as a pitcher, I'd like him, but I don't like him as high. Uh, and that's that's sort of it with me. I think I think that he's got the potential to hit in the middle of the lineup with power. It's really disquieting that the best comparisons I've gotten lately for Brendan McKay are, you know, off-speed lefties pretty consistently. Whether it's Mark Burley, uh, that was a good body comp. I thought I got a. Jason Vargas body comp the other day. Uh, I think McKay relies more on the curveball than Vargas, who was a changeup, more of a changeup guy. But Vargas was a power hitting two way player in college as well, especially when he first uh, got there at LSU. I think it was LSU, then junior college, then Long Beach State. Um, so it's hard to find a comp. I mean, like I, I've gotten poor man's Cliff Lee, like not certainly as angular as Cliff Lee physically, but does pitch with angle and pitch off the fastball like Cliff Lee. I've gotten Greg Swindell body comps. Most of those, other than Cliff Lee, most of the rest of those are third starters, durable. Mark Burley was like the quintessential third starter forever and won a World Series of the White Sox and made a lot of money. Um, would you draft Mark Burley fourth overall? I don't know, man. So that's where I, I kind of lean towards him as a hitter. I say you would, but it's a lot harder but, to but do that. Whole, but he was a 38th round pick out of a junior right. college. You have, you have that. that uh, it's a great, it's a great pick. That disconnect but. in your mind, right? Of of what the stuff looks like, and then what the stats look like at the end of the day. Which at the end of the day, the performance in the big leagues is all that matters, and it doesn't matter right. how it looks if you get guys out in the big leagues. I, I agree. But, but what you said, though, I mean, just finishing a study on this, and the reality is, is that if you call Brendan McKay an eighty-nine to ninety-three mile an hour, that's where he sits, and I think that's pretty pretty fair. Yeah. If you say that, almost it's almost generous. It's almost generous. That would be. A lower average fastball velocity than any pitcher that's been taking the top five picks this century. Right. That's a lot of pitchers at this point. That's no one sat 91 is like, top five. I like the stick, too. I just think he's just looser with the bat. There's more projection there, which is both a good and a bad thing. Um, JJ, but also, th- yeah. this guy does have a, a really good curveball and pitchability and command. Absolutely. So, so he, could be, he could be a future six fastball, six curveball, six command guy. And, and That's not projecting and that And who much. knows, if he puts the bat down, maybe that changeup does take that next step. Or, or maybe he does, that cutter becomes a real weapon for him. Or so, you know, there's, 
there is ceiling to him. Maybe he does throw a little bit harder. You know, the, he's he's got some uncertainty too, and that's like when we're talking about safety versus ceiling. Yeah, yeah. He's he's safe in some regards, but he's risky in others because you don't know exactly what you're getting either way. JJ, oh. you've got right. And Lewis and Green, you are you and I are in lockstep so far. Yes. So who are you taking if you're Tampa? I'm going to go Gore here. I'm going to go with the athletic lefty who's advanced. Uh, it's a very strange comparison to compare him to Brendan McKay, who has whose track record literally like if if his track record is like a, for old people a set of encyclopedias. In comparison, Gore's is like a pamphlet, you know, just because, not because of Gore, but because McKay is, as you wrote in your our write-up for the scouting report, he is probably the most accomplished college player mm-hmm. of the last, I mean, when you talk about what he does for a team of the last 20, 25 years? 35 years, yeah. I would say. I mean, really, there's this four-year window of crazy two-way players. That is not coincidentally, is completely because that was the easiest time to hit in college baseball history from 95 to 98. Drop five bats, 34 inches, 29 ounces, and then the springiest bats, the most powerful bats they ever used. The, uh, all of Division One in, in 1998 hit 306. All the records for the college baseball history were set in 98. Well, who were the two-way players in that period? It was Brad Wilkerson, Mark Kotze, Todd Helton, personal cheese ball, Bobby Vaz, Tim Hudson, all these amazing two-way players. So he's doing that without the aid of that minus five bat. So for me, uh, he is the most accomplished. He'll be a three-time All-American first team. We've only had two of those before, Robin Ventura and Greg Swindell. So Greg Swindell getting his name dropped a lot. He is, and that's why he's actually a good comp here. So, so, so let me uh, let me run uh, run one by you and, and, and knock it down for me, if, if you will. Danny Holson. Yes. Danny Holson is, and when we talk about top of the draft, left-hander, right. two-way, solid hitter, not near the hitter. The not not going to come yeah. out as a hitter, but but t- tell me, in your opinion, why why he's different from from Holson? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't I mean, think you have, he throws, the, obvious, you have the, the change up versus the curve, right? But he doesn't throw a foot and a half across his body like Danny Holson did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's cleaner. Um, I'm not trying to. It's easy to say now, but I was saying he, it then. He, he said it. I promise you, <laughs> so, he said it before he was ever drafted. I, I mean, I, I just there. I just remember seeing him pitch in person as a junior late in the year against North Carolina and talking to evaluators. There it was Dick Tidrow actually, who I talked to. I was like, does he always throw that far across his body and? I couldn't see the facial expression underneath the Fu Manchu. I think that was d- d- completely <laughs> deliberate, but the answer was no, not that, not like that. And so no, I, that's why he's better. So I mean, could Danny Holson work? Does he? Could he have had the functional strength to repeat being that far across his body? Because that cross body delivery certainly gave him deception, angle to right hand hitters, made it work. But you take that cross body away, you kind of took away what made Danny Holson special. So mm-hmm. it's very revisionist to go back and, and say what you do differently with Danny Holson. But at the time, I did not like Danny Holson as the number two pick because of that. So I do think this guy throws low across his body and has and a deception. And that's why I wanted to run, run right. this back. I wanted to spell that out. Yeah. Because that's the, the early in the season, that was the, the one where I would text guys and be like, who does this guy really remind you of? And he's all. He's a little bit like Danny Holson. And then you, then you sit down and you start to break down the video of Brandon McKay. 
He is across his body. It's not severe. No, not it's severe. Not, not severe. Everybody's and, a little bit. And uh, not everybody. And but. with McKay, I don't see any reason, anything about his delivery that you necessarily need to change. And and he's ultra deceptive. In, right. And, and and so his ninety ninety three plays, and and I, I think those are important things to mention. The about The flip him. of that is Danny Holson, who we had an annual. I mean, I, we're not picking fun of Danny Holson, but it was true. We would have an annual get-together, John and I, in his office. Because they would say every year, they've gotten Danny Holtzson straightened out. He's straight yeah, into the plate. His direction of the plate's better and now. We, and we would look at it, and we'd go, this is no. still one of the most crossfire guys you're ever going to I see. I just hate it for Danny Holtzson, because by all accounts, super, super dude. But uh, yeah. to move this along, I'm taking J.B. Bukowska's four for Tampa Bay. And just like basically, he is a newer version, a newer model of, of Chris Archer. And that's what the Tampa Bay Rays already know how that works. Um, it's a fastball slider dominant right-handed pitcher who's a very, very good athlete. And I want that. I, if I'm the Tampa Bay Rays and I look at my team, I'd like to be good ne- sooner than later, please. I'd like apathy to not set in. I think JB moves quickly. I know I'm a high man on JB Bukowski. I think but- that's, that's a good fit, too. I think when you look at. Uh- when you look, examine some of JB's personality yeah. and then his academic approach to pitching, I think it really aligns well with Tampa. I, I think it really fits fits quickly with them. And I think and the, that the Archer approach, also, the yeah. Archer approach, a heavy slider, and the Rays have this philosophy that they can develop a changeup better than anyone. And that, that's their bread and butter. And he's flashed it, so it's in there for right. JB. So I think that they probably see that and say, "Well, we got a guy who we're we're going to help make a little bit more deceptive, so his fastball can play. We think we're going to be able to to make it a consistent 70-grade slider, right. and we think we can really help us change up And if I've got Dick Bosman, I don't need to reach up at four to take uh, uh, Mackenzie Gore, which isn't a reach, but I don't need to take Mackenzie Gore at four. I, could got, I got Blake Snell in the 50s. I, got, uh, you know, I can get those kind of guys in trades, develop them later. That's the rage stick. I can get Jeremy Helix in the fourth round. I can get... You know, whoever they, they yeah take exactly Austin Franklin that in the third round. round last year and two months right. later he's got a, a his curveball's a grade better and he's throwing hard but to get but to get a elite college arm and you're picking four you do have to go this round they you know hey David David Price completely different pitcher than Bukowskis but it was a slider I wouldn't say dominant but it was a slider heavy approach mm-hmm. for him out of college that worked out well for them so JJ you're picking for the Braves and then we're going to wrap it up I'll take some questions and wrap it up. Um, I, at this point, I, I then I'm going to take Bukowskis. Okay, I'm, for the, for the I'm, I'm, leaving McKay, well. I'm leaving McKay on the board there, but uh, but I do think that that slider is the best is is the best secondary pitch in this draft. Um, when you talk about, I'm going I'm to go say it's the second best pitch in this draft after a hundred green fastball. And so with that, I, I do think that you're talking about high floor um, because the floor for him is is the worst case scenario is. He ends up as a reliever who's fastball slider, and slider in that case is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hudson, where are you going uh, with this pick well, for Atlanta? Your board is right, Green, Gore, and McKay. As and a and I can, I'm just going to keep picking later anyway, so I'll, I'll save uh, save Royce Lewis for later again. Uh, <laughs> someone, someone is po- picking your pocket on Royce Lewis. No, he's going to be there. If I if I keep picking, he's going to be there. I just want to want to give some of these guys some love and 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 share the information with our our, our folks here. Uh, right here, I'll take Paven Smith. And the reason why I'm wow. gonna, why I'm going to take Paven Smith is because we have a deep deep track record of this guy being one of the best hitters in the country. Mm-hmm. This. Uh, East Coast Pro, as a rising high school senior, he's one of the better hitters there. Right, He's a left-handed bat with a really good idea of the strike zone, really good idea of what pitches he can drive. 
does not swing and miss. Right now he's got, I think it's 12 home runs and 8 strikeouts on the entire season. Pretty, and, pretty and he, crazy. And he's doing that. He's not doing it in the JV League. He's doing it at, in the ACC right. for Virginia. He's facing the best arms in the country. You want to talk about Bukowskis' nasty slider. I saw him tattoo one mm-hmm. of those off the wall. Yep. So, And I think that some of the... From what we've heard, that some of the TrackMan indicators on Pavin Smith as far as how hard he hits the ball and his launch angles, people believe his launch angles are, are fixable and that there's some real untapped power in there. So you look at a guy who's performed every year for three years, you're not going to get a ton of defensive value. He's going to play first base. But he might be okay, an okay first baseman who hits in the middle of your lineup and hits 30 bombs. That there's might some, be what he ends up being. There's some old reports on Pavin Smith, too, like low 90s with a good breaking ball, too. Like so, he's a, I'm not saying he's in this two-way thing because he's not. He doesn't pitch at Virginia. It just always <laughs> stuns me that Pavin Smith's the one who doesn't pitch and, and Adam know. Hazley's the one who does pitch. Uh, I love Adam Hazley. I'm not taking him five. But in this scenario, I am probably going to take Brendan McKay at five just from a value standpoint. Um, I do prefer him on the uh, in the batter's box to on the mound. I respect the on the mound part. Um, I probably shouldn't take. Actually, I just shouldn't take him here because they have Freddie Freeman, and I know you you don't aren't supposed to draft that way. If I were working You're for the Braves, actually, I, I understand that. But if I'm the if I'm working for the Braves, though. I am uh, like focused on. There's no sevens, and I would probably actually take Austin well, what back about, then. What about Matt Adams too? Yeah, I didn't think about the <laughs> the country breakfast. Uh, that's the other country. But he's, uh, he's not country, but what's his nickname? Country breakfast is. He's uh, just a man now. Also, Jake really Adams is yeah. at Iowa is not not super I, I, dissimilar body wise. I actually would probably if, if I were the Braves, I actually probably would take Austin Beck here because he just sounds so exciting, mm-hmm. and that is a Braves kind of pick, um, and I would be in the Braves culture. Of there must be sevens, there must be sevens, and also uh, it sounds like this is a guy who, again, I don't think JJ ever talks about face of the franchise. But this is a guy who would be a brave, who would fit right into oh, being yeah. an Atlanta brave, and just he'd be a brave, brave for life. Would be tattooed on his left biceps by the time he he got to Atlanta. So I I don't that's not the reason you make a pick here. You pick on the tools. I don't think that could be dismissed either. That that's a factor when you're picking up this high. Uh, JJ, pick a question. Let's answer some more questions. Okay, so we got a lot of questions. We here. do. Um, we'll we'll back up a little bit here. And Teresa Foster asked, "What about Sam Carlson from Minnesota? Who I don't think any of us would talk about top five, but he's very prominent. He's top fifteen for us right now in our updated rankings. And the uh, the best way I can put it is, is he's a guy who it's been a good elevator ride. It's he, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's he's impressed. He's impressed this. You know." For a long time, but he just keeps getting better. I mean, he had a good summer and fall. Like he was a dude. I think that Hudson, like I know he was on the cusp of the top 100, and then he moved way up into it. Oh, and that was biggest regrets of the spring. Is, I, is not putting him in there. I know. That, I know that you regret that. I'm not trying to highlight that. I'm trying to say it's not so much that he moved up so much. It was that he was on that cusp, and we just got better information. Is what it really sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, he, he he probably you know even coming in. You're looking at a guy who's an athletic left-hander, or sorry, athletic right-hander who's fastball changeup, right? Right. And so we kind of thought he was like breaking ball inconsistency and the lack of spin was a big reason why I didn't feel the need to to rush him in, especially him being a cold weather guy who hadn't yet pitched when we did the updated top 100. He had just thrown bullpens at that point. I didn't feel the need to rush him in. 
And boy, was I wrong. Cause, and, and I just wrote, wrote a story on him, uh, so subscribers can check that mm-hmm. out. Um, where Baseballerica.com. He, he really broke down his development for me, and he actually sat down with Logan Shore during spring training. But like the harder-throwing Logan Shore was always my short, shorthand for him. And they just now he's better than that. And and he's always he's really looked up to Logan Shore. Who he said that he, when he was a freshman he DM'd Logan Shore saying <laughs> saying he wanted to be a, a Gator just as bad as Logan Shore did. Now I think he's going to get a couple million bucks and end up not being a Gator. Even Logan Shore, by the way, is now a harder throwing Logan Shore. We just had an organization <laughs> report about that also. But yeah, but the breaking ball's also gotten better too. For that's Carlson. that's the big thing with 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 Carlson. He's he's kind of a lower three quarter guy, and so he'd throw this this curveball in the summertime, and it would go up out of his hand in the loop or it would it would just back up on him and it didn't have necessarily bite to it but it would show you some some tight spin and, and sometimes it'd just be a spinner but you'd see it and, and then now it's and he always had a fast arm he's always had a he had plus arm speed so you always could could see the the velocity coming for him but now he's throwing from that that low three-quarter arm slot he's throwing a true slider and and the way he put it to me is in that conversation with Logan Shore they basically just talked about throwing a slider and letting it rip and just throwing it throwing it with conviction throwing it with conviction with slider intent don't worry about getting this loopy 12-6 break on it just go throw it hard and let the spin do its work and now he's throwing it at 81 84 it's, it, scouts are giving it 50 and 55s it, it fits and his arm slot so much better and it's a separator for him because he's got a plus changeup and a plus fastball now a um, couple other questions, and we'll wrap up. Uh, Rafael Mangual uh, asks, "What do you guys think of Nick Allen? Super impressive at PG National uh, game. Uh, the game, decent bat speed for a little guy. Good speed, probably top five in terms of defensive skills for his draft class. Thoughts? Th- those are That's fairly a- accurate thoughts. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, if Nick back Allen, of the first round, if Nick Allen was six two, we'd be talking about him. We probably would have picked him. And we're right, you know right, I mean? right. He's, he's five eight. He's, Nick Allen or Nick or Madrigal, who you got? I'll take Madrigal right now, but that, that, that's the same. I was having a conversation with the scouting director yesterday about this, and he said we're talking about Nick Allen and where he's going to go, and it's kind of from the beginning, this, this whole spring it's been, well, everybody really likes Nick Allen, but he's really hard to take with your first pick because he's, he's so small. Right. And, and the, the scouting director the other day says he might be – just like Nick Madrigal, and in three years we might all be kicking ourselves because we didn't take this guy, and, and we didn't pay this guy. Um, so I think you're talking about with Nick Allen, he, he shows you everything you look for in a shortstop with really quick feet, a plus arm. The the one thing I would note about him too is he's five foot seven. So not only is that going to give you concern about how he's going to hold up over the course of a full season, while he does have those quick feet, he's got to take four or five more steps to get to the same ball that a Hunter Green has to get to. You know, so while it doesn't look as, as flashy for a guy who's who's taller necessarily, the in terms of just range and covering the ground, it's it's the, the it Don't might be the same. Him as rangy because you can't be rangy at right. five foot seven. Right. Exactly. I think uh, Anthony Velasquez is a player who's been mentioned like that. Uh, the shortstop in, in the race system I could, yeah. could be wrong, but he another like five Not five Anthony, nine uh, Andrew Andrew Velasquez, Andrew Velasquez yeah. five foot nine the guy who had the long uh, massive on base streak in the Midwest yeah. League a few years. Yep. exactly and, and and one of the things talking to scouts about him is like yeah he's he's got foot speed but he's got to take this many more steps right and so that's that comes into play with Nick Allen he does show you surprising. Power. There's like he hits some 380 feet. Like it's it's not going to be a zero power guy. And that's the key thing to me when you talk about a short guy. 
is the differentiator between the guys who end up, it's not really that big a deal and the ones who it is, is can they still drive the ball for authority? You better sting the ball. And you can't. It's and or you better have an eight run. This, this guy, he's not an eight runner, but he's he's got a high contact rate on the showcase circuit. He shows you surprising power. I don't think this is what it, he's going to end up being. But but the, if you really really dream on him, he's Jose Altuve that plays shortstop. That would be pretty doggone good. That would be a guy we should have taken Taking in our top, top five. Of our of where we mocked, uh, not the, mocking the, the players, mocking time, the draft. At the same time, and in, in, in ten years, if he's an all star, he's 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 looking at the the fifth ring on his thumb, and that's the case. At the same time, right now, you still couldn't make the the argument that he he does belong that high because he's five foot seven, and, yeah. and you you just can't do it. And it might, and in ten years, when everyone's doing their redraft, he might be the number one guy. Right. But, but it's it, you just can't do it when the when the guy's five foot seven. You have guys who are six foot four. You have guys who have. Now breaking balls, there's guys ahead of them for reasons. This is my point. We were not going to get to 10 or 15. No, I knew. Not at this pace. And JJ was right about that. Great stuff, Hudson. Great stuff, JJ. Thank you to all of our comments. We didn't even get to all of them. We had a lot of great Sorry. questions on Facebook uh, at baseball, Facebook doc, Facebook.com slash Baseball America Mag. Uh, we want to thank you for, to our followers for tuning in. Today's podcast and Facebook Live was sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com for the best apparel in baseball and enter the code BA2017 to visit, to receive free shipping on your next order. And you can get gear like this, and you'll probably look better in it than I will. For JJ and Hudson, I'm John. We'll see you on the next Baseball America Facebook Live and our next podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.